Well, welcome back, folks. It's week two of the high school football season. Um, we'll do a little recap of some of our thoughts on week one. But uh, first, there's kind of a bit of a not breaking news situation. It's, it's a little bit it's, – it's a few hours old, but uh, Franklin's game this weekend – against Hearn is canceled uh, because of some positive COVID tests uh, for the Lions. Uh, as far as I know, they hope to, to play uh, a week three game next week, and their, I think their act, varsity activities are canceled through Tuesday. Uh, but I know Abigail knows a little bit more about it than me, so I'll kind of shoot it to her here real quick. Yeah, um, they just announced this morning um, that, you know, a few players um, tested positive for COVID so that they were going to cancel – the game on Friday, JV, varsity, all the games. Um, and then like Jeff said, athletics, boys athletics were all canceled until next Tuesday, September 8th, I believe. Um, and um, that's all we really know at this point. Um, I know that they're not gonna schedule, like they're not gonna reschedule with Hearn um, later in the year. Um, so they're not planning on doing that at all. Hearn right now is gonna take this off. Um, Ricky Sargent talked to me. He said that they tried to reschedule with another team maybe, but um, it ended up just not working out. And um, they, so they wanted to just take this week off and kind of reset and um, didn't want to risk anything. Um, and they will play next week. So that'll be something to keep an eye on here over the weekend and the beginning of next week to see if that uh, Franklin plan changes at all. Um, you know, obviously it's a bit of a quick turnaround to, to play on in week three, but, um, you know, yeah. with various, you know, distancing and quarantining and maybe bringing up some JV guys, I don't know exactly what they plan to do, but again, a situation to monitor. Um, but before we continue on with week two here on the Eagles high school sports podcast, kind of buried the lead there. I'm Jeff Perkins, um, with Alex Miller and Abigail Ochoa from the Eagle, um, Lots of lots of lots of stuff to take away from last week. I think you don't want to you don't want to you know build your season on on week one, but uh, you know some surprises, some upsets, um, some some interesting debuts. So, w w what were some of the stuff that you took away from from week one? Um, yeah, it, it didn't feel like a week one. It felt like we were already way into the season. Um, all these things happening, of course, in twenty twenty fashion. Um, it was really crazy but you know I was at Norman G. Bremond um we knew it was going to be like you know two two crazy offenses kind of going at each other and it ended up being the complete opposite their defenses took over um were big for them um that's how Norman G. won with with their two big stops at the end there um Bremond you see a little bit of trouble you know just trying to get back into the groove um like we said last week it was going to be kind of them teaching the younger players um, and things like that. So that that was interesting for me to just witness and kind of see the the how Norman G is this season, how, where they are with their players. Um, Mason Hardy seems like the guy that you know might be a Yellet type for them. Luke Yellet, you know that they lost last year. Um, someone to definitely watch out for. He had 243 yards, and um, he also kicks for them as well. Um, so that was interesting to see. Um, but what do y'all think? Well, yeah, how about Norman? Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, jump in. Oh, I was going to say, how about Norman G going over to Bremont and getting a big win out the gates? Yeah. I mean, that that's a big win for Norman G. Yeah. Um, I I was out of Franklin. Honestly, it it was it was a highly entertaining game. Franklin was just about out of it. You know, 
They were down two scores in the fourth quarter. Lorena ran a fake punt with five minutes left, and it looked like, all right, Lorena's going to run out the clock. And sure enough, the next play, Lorena's quarterback fumbles. The very next play, Franklin scores a touchdown. They get a three and out. Franklin scores another touchdown with 40 seconds left, but they were unable to get the two-point conversion. Um, Coach Fannin told me he would have gone for it 10 out of 10 times, but um, highly entertaining game. And, you know, Franklin, Franklin's an interesting team because they, they were rotating quarterbacks. They were rotating between Marcus Raid and Bryson Washington. And it, it's, it's a bummer that Franklin's game this week got canceled because Hearn was going to be a good challenge for them. And it was going to give them a good chance to see, okay, can we get this quarterback situation maybe a little straightened out or where are we going to go with the offense? And for Hearn, it stinks because Hearn, Hearn was going to have a good chance to pull off an upset against their Robertson County rival, I think. So it, it's a bummer that that game got canceled, in my opinion. But um, a, a very competitive week one all, all around, and especially in Franklin, it was a very entertaining game that came down to the very end. Yeah, I got a couple questions about quarterbacks. Uh, well, since we just came from you, Alex, start with you. Um, I know Wade is the returner uh, at quarterback for them. I think he started, played just about all the snaps last year, if I'm not mistaken. What did you see from those two guys uh, in Franklin? Yeah, so Washington got the start, and throughout the first half, it was every single series. It was Washington, Wade, Washington, Wade, Washington, Wade. And then in the second half, it started out the same way. But it was interesting, at the very end, um, Wade and Washington, they would interchange in plays, like different plays, it seemed like. And um, I thought Washington – was a little better of a runner both of them threw the ball all right um but you know I, I I think the competition's still open and so that's that's why I think it's tough for Franklin to not be able to play this game this week is that they don't have another chance to see who should be the QB or hey maybe two quarterback system gonna work and we're just gonna make our opponents have the game plan for two guys so um, yeah, it, I'd say it's definitely still out there who who can take over. And then, Abigail, I was going to ask about Mason Hardy. Um, yeah. You know, probably one of the most experienced quarterbacks that we have, but, you know, didn't hear too much about him last year, the year before, um, you know, simply because uh, Yellett was there and he was kind of the yeah. star there. And, yeah. and you know, Norman G – was successful in in Sitton's first year last year but you know didn't really didn't really you know turn too many heads as far as you know making a deep playoff run or anything like that um so you know do you think that this is kind of a springboard type game that you know obviously it was a statement game but do you think that yeah. Hardy can kind of use that as a springboard to you know stake his claim as one of the top quarterbacks in the area yeah he really came out week one and said hey I'm here guys um no doubt um, like you said, Luke Yellow was obviously in that in that spot before he kind of took all the accolades in that. Um, but Hardy looked really good out there on Friday night. Um, he was really good. I mean, he rushed for them as well. Um, he was pretty much running the whole time. And when he did throw, they did get two big um, touchdowns from it. So um, you really got to see him do both on Friday. You know, he went 13 for um, 23. Um, 243 yards and then he also kicked for them like I mentioned um he, so he really was doing it all um he looked really good out there 
Um, and I think between him and Kostowski, um, you know, he was just able to kind of move around a bit more, get further than Kostowski was. And um, that really came down to who, to who won at the end, um, who was able to rush more and better. And I think as far as um, intensity at the end of the game and kind of intrigue, I think y'all's game's kind of far outpaced mine. My game was <laughs> over by halftime. Uh, I was Navasota and Warren. Well, it was over by halftime, but halftime was also at like 10 o'clock at night. Um, yeah. But uh, with that lightning delay. But um, yeah, Navasota looked really good against Wharton first time out. Um, went up 35 to zero early in the third quarter and kind of coasted the rest of the way. If you look at the stats, uh, you know, Jamar Jesse, starting quarterback, junior, first time varsity starter at quarterback. They look decent, uh, but they don't kind of jump off the page at you. But if you watch that game, that those are all pretty much accumulated in the first half. Uh, he didn't have to do much in the second half because Darius Randall broke off a 60-yard touchdown run, and then their defense got a a stop and uh, fumble return for a touchdown after that. So really, Jamar Des Jesse's day was pretty much done from that point. But he looked really good in the first half. Uh, made some good scramble plays, ended one of those by trucking over a defender to get into the end zone, made some good passes. Um, and then just one mistake there at the end of the first half, uh, trying to, I think it was third and goal. Maybe it was, they were right at the goal line through, through an interception 30 seconds before the half, but otherwise looked really poised, made some good decisions, made some plays with his feet. Uh, so I think, I think Navasota, took a, a really good step forward in replacing Zach Dyer, who's, who has been there the last couple of years. Uh, so, you know, I think the real test comes this week uh, at Sealy. I think they're a seven-point underdog at Sealy. Sealy's always – usually fields a really a pretty good team uh, on – usually contends for district titles. So, I think this, this first, you know, kind of – difficult game for the Rattlers and a long line of them for the rest of the season will tell us a little bit more about where they are. Yeah. Do you think they're going to keep stay with Jesse? I know there was some concern over him and another quarterback kind of fighting for that spot. Yeah. So if I'm just basing it off of week one, uh, I would say Jesse's probably their guy because uh, Drew Gonzalez didn't really come in until late in the fourth quarter, the last couple drives. Um, but I mean, I think it's a situation where they're comfortable with either. So if something happens, you know, they'll, they, they have confidence in Drew Gonzalez uh, to, to lead them. So, but uh, if, yeah, if I'm basing it off of week one and unless they throw a bit of a curveball at us in week two, I'd say that Jesse's probably the starter there. Although again, that's not really, that's not anything confirmed just based off of watching the game and, and kind right. of seeing how they yeah. do that. So I would be, I would be surprised if Jesse wasn't the starter. Um, and the defense also like obviously looked really good. They held uh, I think the final score was 35 to 13 and the, the last six points came on the, like the final play of the game with like four seconds left uh, on a 40 yard heave. So, you know, by that point, the game had, it was completely over. Uh, defense scored a touchdown as well. So I think uh, after the game, Coach Dacus was mainly just really happy with how his defense played. But the one thing that he wants to see them do is, you know, finish the game, uh, you know, not give up that 40-yard touchdown with four seconds left. So, mm -hmm. um, but I'd say, yeah, good returns for Navasota. 
And I think we'll learn a little bit more about them in week two. Uh, but I think the biggest news coming out of week one came out of that Rockdale game. Uh, Rockdale looked really good uh, in a 40-14 to 14 win over LaGrange, but got some pretty bad news uh, as starting quarterback Jace Robinson went down with an ankle injury um, right before like- halftime, I think. Um, and now they turn to Kobe Mitchell, who's been their backup for a few years now. Um, and they're pleased with how he played in the second half uh, of that game. And they've got plenty of playmakers to kind of, I don't want to say get by because, you know, they're, like I said, they have confidence in Kobe Mitchell and we'll see going forward, you know, how that works out, but throws a little bit more intrigue into that district race, I think. Yeah. I, like you said, Robinson, he ended up breaking his leg at the end of the first half. Um, and they, you know, they're not sure if he's going to be back this season or, or not. But um, Mitchell did come in and really take over. I mean, they, they didn't really skip a beat um, with him. I think he, you know, he had 67 yards um, rushing. And him and Valdez, you know, they combined for three touchdowns in the second half. Um, I think they'll be fine for now, like you said. Um, but it'll be pretty interesting to how, see how they kind of keep going with Mitchell um, in the future. Yeah, for yeah, sure. The, the good news for Rockdale, too, is that it, it, when with Mitchell starting, his, getting his first start of the season this week against Taylor, Taylor's not a very good team. They've lost 13 straight games. I think Rockdale is favored by three scores. So got to think that Rockdale is probably going to be able to pull that one out, and it'll be a good game for Mitchell to get comfortable in that offense and uh, take, take a little ownership of the team here these next few weeks. Yeah, and, and we've, we've mentioned the playmakers before. Cameron Valdez, Keyshawn Raven, both look like uh, Division One prospects. I know they both have Power 5 offers, so um, a lot of firepower on that, on that offense. And, you know, I don't think – so I talked to Campsie, or I talked to head coach J- Jacob Campsie earlier today, and his uh, – he wouldn't say, you know, what exact, when exactly they were expecting uh, Jacob Robinson to be back. Um, he did, he did say that, you know, they were kind of taking it, you know, day by day and they were, you know, hoping that he could get back, but he, you know, he wasn't going to commit to saying anything. Uh, if you ask Jacob Robinson, he's going to be back by the playoffs based off of his Twitter account. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, but I think the hope in with, within that program, I think the hope is, is that they can get him back for the playoffs. Um, but I think right now you've got to just assume that it's Kobe Mitchell's show. Um, and, you know, that's – that really makes those championship aspirations interesting because, again, we don't really know – we don't really know what Kobe Mitchell, the quarterback, is like. We know he's got a lot of athleticism and, you know, is a really good football player. So we'll we'll kind of keep an eye on that and just kind of see how that develops and, and what that offense turns into, I think. And then I think the last bit of news for week one, um, and we've done a fair bit of writing and tweeting about this uh, since the last round of games, uh, but Jared Kerr, we knew coming into the season that, um, you know, he was a bit of a special player because he racked up all the awards last year with only seven games uh, played. uh, I think he averaged 200 yards a game and three touchdowns or more uh, because, again, only played seven games, 1,300 yards, 19 touchdowns. But uh, after a good week one win over West, 
think 25 to 14 and gained a bunch of yards, scored a touchdown. All the offers started rolling in for him over the weekend. Texas, OU, A&M, Florida, Notre Dame. So all of, all of, or not all of them, but a lot of the, the power five programs coming in, coming knocking. And usually when you see this amount of, of offers, they, they just keep coming throughout the season. So I wouldn't be surprised to see more power five, more SEC schools um, get in on, on Jared Kerr and try to try to lure him to their, to their schools. Um, so, I mean, I kind of just word vomited all of that. Uh, is there anything that you guys, you know, have, have to say on that? Um, I, I just, you know, I, you know, last year I didn't cover obviously the beginning of the season. Um, but is this kind of normal to get this many? I mean, just after week one, having all these offers come, come flooding in like this. You can yeah, just, you know, it could be a deal of like this guy's been on school's radars and it's a guy that they've got their eye keenly on and they finally got some fall game tape. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of that junior class, they really missed out on ha not having that spring evaluation period. And coaches suffered from that too because, I mean, they're trying to fill their recruiting boards. And for a guy like Jared Kerr where you're like, hey, like this guy was a sophomore. He made some good plays. He's got good measurables. We know he's going to get better you know, let's see what happens. And then you don't get to spend that four or five, six week period in the spring going to different schools and checking out your potential prospects to then finally get some game tape. I, I think it finally showed the credibility of, okay, this is what Jared Kerr is capable of. So let's give him an offer. He's earned it. And so um, good for him. And yeah. I, like Jeff said, I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps getting more he's a budding star in the Brazos Valley. And so he's yeah. one to keep an eye on moving forward for sure. And you, you saw it last year with, with Cameron Valdez, once those offers started coming in, they just kept coming and kept coming and they're still coming. Some like, I mean, it's, it's slowed down. Cause you know, there's only 119 schools uh, at the, at the division <laughs> or at the FBS level, but uh, you know, they occasionally they still come in. And then what I'm wondering is, what that does for some of the other players at Lexington, because I think, I think Cameron Valdez's recruitment has helped Keyshawn Raven uh, because we know the stuff that right. he can do. He's a really good player as well. And I, you know, as you, as you get more division one coaches coming into your school to see one player, you know, you, they'll see other players. They'll see Keyshawn Raven. And I, I think that that kind of window opening, for Keyshawn Raven helped him, you know, get some of the, I think he's been offered by Arkansas. Uh, I, I don't know if there's any other SEC schools, but you know, his, you, you saw his offer list kind of creep up after Cameron Valdez has exploded. So I'm, I'm wondering if there's any other hidden gems in Lexington that, that might benefit from that too. Um, but I think that's pretty much all we got from week one. Quickly we'll go into week two talk about the games that we'll be covering or in Alex's case, he'll be kind of, he'll be kind of our, uh, our command center person doing all the, the bells and whistles and keeping everybody in, in the Brazos Valley informed. Uh, where are you going to be this weekend, Abigail? It will be a Madisonville and Liberty. They're, they're going to play that's uh, that was kind of one of the surprise games that uh, for me anyway, uh, you know, uh, Alex, Alex was the only one on our panel that picked Madisonville. Um, you know, what, what, what was, what was behind that pick? What did, what, what did you see in the Mustangs that proved true? 
you know i i i was looking at i was looking at the rankings and i just felt like it, it was a it was it was a toss-up and i felt like madisonville had a chance you know the game it was moved and then it was moved back and so you know it it, it ended up being a die ball but you know when when games get moved around you never know what's going to happen and Madisonville showed up. They beat a pretty good die ball team. And so credit to them. That's a big win to start their season. So that was kind of my that was kind of my dark horse pick last week. <laughs> well, it, it it proved it proved to be good for you because now you got a one game lead on the rest of us. Uh but it paid off. It paid off. Yeah. So now Madisonville's <laughs> the big the big favorite. I think something like 30 something maybe over Liberty. Um, you know, what are you looking for in that game, Abigail? Yeah, well, like you said, I mean, they're coming off that win against Dybal. I think what really helped him there was Armando Juarez. Um, he only played quarterback. He didn't go on defense. He didn't play, you know, every snap like that. So, you know, I was talking to Coach Urbanink. His, his legs were fresh, and he was ready to go. And he, you know, he ran for four touchdowns. And that really helped, you know, um, Brazel and Jeremiah Burns, who's a freshman, um, really came out too with a big game and um, were able to kind of um, help their defense and they scored often on defense as well. Um, Burns had a return touchdown um, for them as well. So it'll be interesting to see them kind of go into this game. I think they're very excited. I think they're pumped up after that win. I mean, how could you not be? Um, they'll be at home, so they'll have that. But, um, you know, Liberty and Madisonville, I believe, had very similar seasons last year, if you're just kind of looking at their records and stuff like that. Um, Jertavius Brown told me that he reminds his team, you know, almost all the time what their record was last year um, and that they can't, they can't afford to go back there. <laughs> so he said that that's always something that he tells them before games, he tells them before practice, you know, if they do something um, bad or maybe something messed up. He always reminds them. So they always have that in the back of their head, I know for sure. Um, but uh, their front five, their, their offensive line, um, uh, yes, uh, last week was their first varsity game, um, <laughs> which is pretty impressive. I mean, to have that many rushing touchdowns um, and to have an offensive line that was in their first varsity game, first game in Madisonville to play. To play. So um, I think it'll be really exciting. I think Madison's Madisonville's going to take this one at home. Um, but but what do y'all think, just kind of looking at this matchup? Well, Juarez, again, Mason Hardy started last year at quarterback, so he's got some experience coming in. Had, you know, flashes of success last year. I think they were happy with how he played last year. But if he plays like, like he did in that game all season long, they're going to have a really good season. Uh, you know, looked like he was efficient passing the ball, I think four or five with an interception. Yeah. Um, and – you know, obviously did really well with his legs. I think near 150 yards um, on mm -hmm. 23 carries. Um, so I know last year, a lot of their offense ran through Tyrese Brown and I don't think he's there anymore. I think he graduated. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's also kind of similar to Norma G, you know, a, a shift in focus on where the, the offense is going to run through, but um, yeah, certainly he had a great, great debut. And if their defense plays like that and they have freshman safeties playing that well all season long. Yeah. And yeah, I think, I think Madisonville will be in, in pretty good shape and primed to, to make a run to the playoffs. 
Yeah, you know, this is Liberty's first game of the season. Their game against Huffman Hargrave got canceled last week. So maybe they're a little rusty, um, Got have those first game jitters. Madisonville, they got a game under their belt. They got a big win. Uh, that's big momentum boost, confidence booster. So I, I see Madisonville coming on top again this week. And then I will be at um... – I think Thorndale is playing Snook in their first in Snook's first game in their new in their new home. Yeah. I don't think they've ever had a football stadium. Maybe back in the fifties, but yeah, yeah, they've never had a, a football stadium. So this is a huge deal to this program. Um, talked to Coach Boone Patterson several times over the summer, and you know, obviously that came up pretty much every time we talked. And uh, you know, in in preseason practices, you know, it was encouraging to you know see that field and and be able to I think they practiced on it to be able to practice on it and so you know I think there's going to be a a bit of a an emotional boost there and and you know playing with maybe even some more pride than usual they're going to need all of that because Thorndale is no joke Thorndale I think they moved (laughs) into the top 10 this week uh by Dave Campbell's at, I think they're and I think they're two A Division One versus Snooks two A Division Two, so um, I think ultimately Thorndale will probably take the win in this. Um, but there is a lot of cause of optimism in my opinion for Snook. Um, they could have they could have laid down uh, last week when they went down by two scores to Caldwell, um, another team that is bigger than them, both you know player wise and just the amount of people on their team. Um, so they didn't, they came all the way back and nearly tied it just like kind of like Franklin didn't get that two point conversion they needed at the end. Uh, so, you know, this blue Jays team showed fight in week one. And again, another team with an experienced quarterback and Garrett Lero. Uh, so I, I think it'll be close. Um, and I think this game will be a net positive for Snook. So even though they come out of this, they might come out of this game. zero and two, that's still, in my opinion, a really, good 0-2 if they play well against Thorndale because that's two opponents above their weight class that have talented and big players on their team that they'll play well against. And I think in high school, non-district, it really doesn't matter that much. You know, you can – like with College Station in their um, title year, they, they started like, what, 1-2, and two, uh, lost to some really good teams and then went on a run – played really well and I think that those games against those two really tough teams probably helped them uh for the rest of the season so I think that's what you're looking at in Thorndale versus Snook yeah I think no matter the outcome like you said it'll be good for Snook um either way but they're really gonna want to have that win the first night in that new stadium I mean they're really that's gonna be really pushing them I feel like the whole game um and they lost last week so they're also trying to like you know, just get a win under their belt. They have a new stadium that they've never had in the, the community before. Um, you know, I'm sure everybody's going to come out for that. Um, so that'll be really pushing on them too. They'll have to get rid of the penalties. I know that was hard for them against Caldwell. Um, and Coach Patterson said that, you know, they have to clean up that execution a little bit. Um, so they weren't necessarily bad penalties. Um, it was mostly holding and stuff like that. But um, the, they'll probably have to kind of get past that this week too but it'll be it'll be interesting they're gonna really want that win um in that stadium so absolutely uh so now we usually we're to the point where we usually kind of normally we're talking about 
Brian, College Station, Consol, Rudder. Um, but, you know, as those teams have yet to start the season, they're on that staggered start. Um, usually we do the area games at the end. Now it's all area. So of the games that we're not covering personally this weekend, what, uh, what games are you looking at at the area, big games or, or things you're looking at that, that interest you? Alex, you can probably take it first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, a game that the game a game that I'm looking at is uh, Centerville at Corrigan Camden. Um, when it got got to cover Centerville a couple times last year, and uh, Centerville lost its opener pretty bad last week to New Waverly, 34-12. And sounds like the Tigers played pretty sloppy too. They had three turnovers. They only had 217 total yards of offense. They scored on the first play, and then it was a whole lot of nothing after that. Um, you know, this is a big road game. They're playing a team that's the classification ahead of them, Corrigan Camden. Uh, Corrigan Camden beat them last year. So can't can Centerville rebound? The Harris ratings have them favored by six. And a, a, a win this Friday would be big uh, just to get the morale back and get, a, get the season going in the right direction. Uh, Dylan Denman's a playmaker. We know that. He's very talented. So – I'm curious to see what Centerville can do and if they can get a big win on the road this weekend. Yeah, I haven't talked to um, Coach Hardy this week, but with how Centerville loves to play defense and run the ball, I can't imagine that that team is very happy with how week one went. Um, I was surprised when I saw that final score. Uh, I was really surprised when I, when I saw that final score. So, um, you know, I would, I would think that this week uh, you will see a team that, you know, tr that gets back to those roots, uh, plays stingier defense. I mean, I know they got some big guys on that defensive line, so I wouldn't be surprised if they impose their will in week two because, uh, you know, led by, I think, Paxton Hancock, that defensive front seven um, has been really good over the last, you know, since I've been here. So uh, that's what I'm looking at in that game. Uh, Abigail, uh, I can't remember the game you said. What was, what was, uh, what's interesting you in, in across the area in week two? Um, well, some six man action um, happening this week. So BB Chia versus Victoria homeschooled. Um, this should be a good one. I covered their, the state title game last year. Victoria won. Um, and then they also played, uh, I believe, at the beginning of that season, um, and Victoria won that one as well. Um, so BV Chia saw both matchups last last year, um, both coming down to the second half. Um, they, you know, they play well. They score in the first half, BV Chia, but that they can't keep it up down the stretch, and that really hurts them in the end because Victoria can just come in and just, um, you know, pound it in a little bit and. Um, you know, they won the state title game 46 to 24 last year, Victoria um, coming in probably very confident. BV Chia probably trying to prove themselves a little bit here. Um, you know, they lost four seniors, including Cody Davis, who was a big player for them. Um, they do return Owen Davis, who's a wide receiver um, and a kicker for them as well. Um, so they do have some of that, those people back that are probably ready to, to, to be Victoria here. Um, but that, that's really what I'm looking forward to this week. Um, I think it'll be a good one. Yeah, six-man, uh, anything can happen in football, but I feel like six-man is like take that and you like kind of push yeah. that up to the next level because it's just so wide open. Yeah. It's, it's so different and more quickly paced than 11-man 
football is. And so I think it just lends itself to more randomness. Um, like, you know, a few things can go wrong and completely change the complexion of a game even more than 11, man. Like yeah. early, cause earlier last season, BBC actually blew out Victoria, like one of the first few weeks of the season, I think it was like 45 to six or something like that. And so, you know, going through, oh, okay. going through last year, picking those games, I was like, Oh, BBC is going to win that probably. Uh, <laughs> it didn't really pay much mind to it. And I, you know, I should have known, you know, six man is, six man is its own thing. Like it's, it's, it's a fun time and it's, it's really, really fast paced and really different. So um, yeah, I think that's, I think that'll be a good game to watch because it, it could go, it could go any number of ways. Either way. Yeah. So I think for me, uh, the, the game I'm looking at is Belleville at Cameron, both coming off big wins over good teams in week one, Cameron edging Mejia by a score and, uh, Belleville, I think they beat Giddings by three points. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, Giddings and Mejia both uh, really good programs, uh, you know, consistently in the playoffs. Uh, so now we got two more good teams, Cameron and, and, and Belleville, going at each other. And I think Cameron, this is going to be one of those seasons where it's like rebuild and reload at the same time uh, because you had a lot of – a lot of really good players leave off that team. James DeBose, Nico Vargas, um, man, that receiver that I just can't think of right now that I'm like kicking myself over. Um, but uh, lots of good players off of that team. And, you know, now you're trying to, oh, and obviously quarterback uh, Braden Brashear as well. So you're trying to replace a lot of people um, and you ha- still have a lot of talent that's just unex- inexperienced. So, I think you're looking for Zane Zinert at quarterback to continue to progress. He had a pretty solid game last week. Uh, and I think that they're really trying to figure out who is going to be the runners that are going to take over for Vargas and DeBose. Uh, lots of guys handled, handled the ball last week in the run game. Uh, so you're just kind of looking at that. And we are running out of time. So I'm going to go ahead and call it because it's going to cut off any minute here on Zoom. Uh, but thanks again for joining me, you guys, this week and looking forward to, to week two and week three. And before you know it, the 5A and 6A schools will be here and we'll be in district play for the smaller schools. There you go. All right. That's, the, that's week two of the Eagles High School Sports, pod, uh, High School Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening.